Hello and welcome to the All Things Horror Podcast with me, Amazon best-selling horror author and horror fanatic, Rick Wood, where me and my guests discuss all things horror. Coming up on today's show. I, um, things go missing, spoons go missing, lights flickering. I saw a woman sitting on my kitchen chair. So there was never like, these zombies can run or these can go fast. It was a complete mix. Welcome back to the All Things Horror podcast with me, Rick Wood. And we have the second part of my cracking interview with zombie, paranormal and vampire dystopian author, Stephen Jenkins. So, without further ado, here it is. Final one. Uh, have you ever had a personal horror experience? Um, I le- I'm a big fan of ghosts. Um, I, I, I'm a sceptical person. Even though I'm a sort of believer, I'm a sceptical person. Yeah. In a way that when someone tells me a story, unless I was witnessed in myself... I do think, I, I know there's about a million reasons that could have caused that, you know. Um, but I did have a, uh, something happen in my, in my previous house where I was living with my wife. And it was the basis of 14 Days, my first book. Okay. Now, 14 Days is a murder mystery ghost story, like a lot of ghost stories. There's no murder mystery to my, my thing. That was just obviously made up. But I used to have this house, and it was a terrace house, um, you know, in the middle of the street, no, no front garden, quite, quite small, very big street. There's nothing creepy about the street, nothing creepy about the house. But um, I used to spend, you know, I, was, I, um, I spent a lot of time in the day there, I used to work in the evenings, my wife was out. So in the days, not a particularly creepy time. But for some, I used to hear so many noises. Um, I, um, things go missing, spoons go missing, lights flickering, um, hearing the door open, and then nobody's coming home, hearing footsteps. Now, being, um, being sort of cynical and sceptical, um, skeptical, I assumed it was just echoes from next door and things like that. But then, one summer afternoon, this is about five years ago, I swear, I say swear, loosely, uh, I say 70% then, I saw a woman sitting on my kitchen chair and uh, dressed in like a, a, um, a, cream, a cream top with, um, with a brown tie and a brown skirt and a brown hat, something like a, like a wartime, sort of the navy, I'm not sure what the colours, and it was a summer afternoon, so it wasn't even a creepy time of the night when I, I was more susceptible to sort of seeing things, and I swear I saw something, but I am, again, I say seventy percent because I know my eyes play trick, but plays tricks. But that was the basis for my novel, Fourteen Days. The woman on the chair. Uh, things happen in the day because in the story, uh, most of the things happen when the wife's at work and he's stuck in the house for fourteen days. And it's something creepy about the day, because the night is already creepy. But if the day is creepy, then there's nowhere to run. You know, yeah. there's nowhere to hide. And I've always kind of liked that. You know. Interesting. Interesting. So you kind of. Believe it, but don't believe it at the same um, time. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to believe it. Yeah, yeah. But I do. I am fascinated with ghosts. Um, anything that scares me, really, I'm fascinated with spiders. Um, I'm scared of spiders, and I, I've got lots of books on spiders. Anything that creeps me out, I'm a big fan. You know. Let's talk a bit more about your your books then. So, Burning Dead. What what I really liked uh, about Burning Dead is that often. Um, when you watch a zombie film, you have to watch the process of zombies coming about and people not knowing what they are yeah. and you've seen it a million times. Yours 
kind of starts after the kind of apocalypse in a way has hit and it reassembles society and it's about a guy who burns zombies. Was that a deliberate choice? Um, I, do you know what it is? It's quite... It's my, as a writer, I like writing zombies and it's quite hard. I like to write like uh, in, a, in a sort of real world. So if, it, uh, if zombies did take over, this is what it would be like. If vampires are real and such and such. Um, I, I find it quite hard. How, how long, how many chapters would it take to convince somebody that a zombie was real? Yeah. It, would, it would take a lot. So it's a little bit easier when it's already established. But I kind of like the idea that society had moved on. They're, not, they're still scared of them, but they're no more than... Um, Wild animals that you know, if they're kept away, you're not going to be a problem. But if they if they manage to sort of infest your neighbourhood, then the authorities would come in, cordon off everything. Yeah. But life does go on, and I I made sure I kept the apocalyptic side of it out because yeah. I, I like there was always a thought, oh maybe the fourth book that maybe they take over. But then there's a million of those books, yeah, um, and nothing wrong with those books. But I was trying to do something a little bit different. That society, you could totally live your life. Um, and if if some if you always knew the zombies existed, um, you wouldn't be scared of them mm. unless they were attacking you. Like I know a lion exists, so I you know. But yet I'm not scared of them. Then I'm, I'm not scared they exist. Or sharks, see, well, sharks, better example. But if I'm face to face with one, I'd be scared and I'd be, I'd, I'd be uh, yeah. be killed. Um, but I found it I found it fascinating to, to, as if a society would still go on. Even if something extraordinary happened, and they would have this uh, unit, which is a new spin on it. But I mean, why wouldn't society find a way to to do yeah. it? I'm sure the government must have a zombie apocalypse plan in, in place just in case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it would be quite difficult in my book because they can run. In my well, in my story, um, they can run, they walk. Some of them don't even get up. I made sure that. Uh, they didn't act like there wasn't a, a, a flat rule for everybody. Yeah. So it all depended on the horse. If if you were bitten and you died, it wouldn't. Maybe you'd be able to run as a zombie, or maybe you'd be able to 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 walk around. Or some some people in the bitten never got up at all. So there was never like these zombies can run or these can go fast. It was a complete mix. And I kind of like I didn't think that had been done before. Maybe it has. There's so many books out there, but that's the sort of the most original thing I could think of uh, when it came to zombies. And the fact you've got to burn them, you can't kill them. Um, and, of course, you've, you've stretched out as well to ghost novels and vampire dystopian uh, novels as well. Why did you decide to stretch out then and kind of go away from zombies and go toward um, ghosts and vampires? Like I said earlier, a break from zombies. I'm, I write at my best when I get excited. And if I'm doing something all the time, I don't, I don't get excited. Mm. I need a break. And a break for me is not a break from writing. It's a break from the type of horror genre that I write in. So, Ghosts I'm a big fan of. Um, ghosts are more difficult to make a series of um, because it's usually a start, middle and end in one story. Uh, you can obviously have different characters uh, solving different ghost problems. Um, but with um, with the vampires, to be honest, I write what I, if something pops in my head and I get excited about it and it's and it's sort of, even though it might, they might seem different sort of, different sort of books, even my vampire books are on the realms of possibility. Not vampires going to take over the world, but it's science attached to it. None of them are supernatural beings. They're all, it's all a physical sort of, it's a virus of some kind. Uh, it's something we don't, the science didn't quite understand, but there's no, 
people turn into bats. Is everything is sort of believable? Um, well, to a stretch, you know. Um, but that's why I kind of like I, I'm um, the only sort of genre I haven't written in yet is, is a werewolf, and I, I want to write that one day, and I want to mm-hmm. make it non supernatural. I want to make it again a scientific spin yeah. on it. Um, but again, I got to get excited about a book, uh, an idea. I've got a backlog of ideas. And I pitch ideas to friends, family, and, and things like that. And they say, oh, that's a great one, you write that. But if it doesn't excite me, I, it's hard to write. You, you know how hard it is reading a book you don't yeah. really care about. Trying to write one oh, God. Is, is murder, as you as you probably know. So you, these ideas put on the back burner. I sometimes use them for other stories. I think, oh, okay, I'll take that, the guts of that, and put it on to someone else. But I've got to get excited, and I can't write. Uh, so I've written... Uh, I'm, on, got, I'm on blue skin at the moment which is a vampire dystopia once that's finished I'll be taking a break from vampires moving back into zombies because it's been a couple of years yeah. uh, i got a good one planned sounds like you really like the idea of that could happen so you yeah. like it to be rather supernatural scientific as in vampires yeah. could happen zombies could happen um, was, it, was it challenging then taking on a new genre of horror going um, from zombies to vampire were there any challenges in doing that um, well Blue Skin, uh, for example, the series I'm working on at the moment, that idea came probably about five, well, probably about, no, probably about eight years ago. Not the, not the idea of the series, but the idea of the blue skin and things like that, and the, and the babies getting born, the parents, uh, mothers giving birth to vampire babies. Um, but it was it was difficult, but I, it still feels like my type of novel that I write. Uh, if you're a fan of my work, you'll feel that you're, you're reading one of my books. Um, and the sort of horror can be interchangeable, you know. But it is a little bit, I wouldn't say it's a, a completely a teen fiction. Um, it, is, it is aimed at sort of uh, grown-ups, but it's pro- but because it's got younger characters, it has got a younger appeal as well. Um, in this more dystopian sort of Hunger Games slash... Um, Name example now, but yeah, that sort of uh, young adult okay. slash adult. And you you chose to set Burn the Dead in Bristol instead of Wales. Now my girlfriend's Welsh, so I'm very aware of Good how taste. how um, <laughs> how how very proud Welsh people are of, of for lack of a better word their Welshness. Yeah, um, I was surprised then to find that you you were set it in Bristol rather than Wales. Was was there a reason for that? Um, well. Burn the Dead and 14 Days are both set in Bristol. Now, originally, I, I, first, I, to be honest, I don't really know why I, I, I didn't want to set them in Wales. Maybe I thought it would be cooler to be set, set somewhere else. It's full of zombies, Wales, isn't it? Yeah, probably, yeah, <laughs> so it's on Saturday night, yeah. Um, and I knew Bristol quite well because I had some friends from there and I knew the area. I didn't want to... I thought about writing set into a, in a fictional place, but uh, Bristol was... I wanted, I wanted to set it somewhere different where I lived. And Bristol was the only city in another country, well, in England, where I, I knew the place quite well. Um, but again, the street is, is fictional. But then I thought, well, I'm, as you said, I'm very proud of my Welshness. Um, and it, since, since Burn the Dead, all my books have been set in Wales. Okay. Burn the Dead 2 is set in Wales, Burn the Dead 3 is set in Wales. Oh, right. um, so I've nothing against Bristol. But uh, they actually, Burn the Dead was partly set in Bristol. But uh, she's from Wales. The third one yeah. uh, is set in Swansea. 
I set in the stadium. Is it the same characters then, or different characters? There's crossover characters, okay. but there's uh, three different three different main characters. That okay. It's all intertwined. Um, but all my other books, um, the Blue Skin is set in Armourford. Um, um, Bernadette Two is set in Saundersfoot. Um, yes, I haven't done a fiction on town yet. Maybe I'll do it with my next book. And you're not just a writer of fiction as well, you're a writer of twisted poetry, or, or something I read on your website. Uh, I don't write poems anymore, um, I, but I used, I, when, I, when I was young, I, I always had good ideas for stories, but I wasn't particularly that good at writing. It's something I learned over the years, uh, but I had a very good imagination. But so the only way I could get these, these ideas out sometimes, so people could read them, because... I was, I've always been a quite a good drawer and people could just look over your shoulder and go, oh yeah, you, you, you can draw. But with writing, people have to actually read your work just to know if you're any good. And it's a bit of a chore for some people, you know, it's, it's a bit of an ask to, for some to read something. Um, so with poems, it was the easiest way to get people to read my book work. Um, I started off when I was 15 and I wrote, but, uh, wrote oh, a, um, a poem, but um, they were always very dark. I say twisted. You know, what, was, what was twisted about them? What was dark about them? They're about death or horror. Okay. Uh, again, not based on any of my childhood traumas, very normal childhood, um, but I just, I think death and darkness is much cooler than writing about a flower. But my first my first poem I wrote was called The Sinner. Um, don't ask me to recite it, I've completely forgotten it, and it's not as good as I remember it. <laughs> but it's about a guy going on, uh, on death row, going towards an electric chair, oh, wow. and he's uh, repenting. It's so when you're aware that you've kind of got these online, right, than these poems, or is um, it something you keep, keep are, to yourself? No, they are, they are published works, but you're going back in the 90s now, they're yeah. lost in time. I have got copies of them, but yeah, uh, yeah I've, I, I, there are about six published, all dark, um, some of them I had just had story ideas and I managed to put them into poems. Mm. Some of them just popped in my head. But they are, I kept I kept the theme dark because I had written so many dark ones that it's, I wanted to put them into, into an anthology and it, it would yeah. make sense to keep the theme going. But yeah, I don't write poems anymore. And you've had some short stories published. Is it Dark Moon Digest? Dark Moon Digest, yes. In an American horror magazine. How did that come about? Um, again, like, like I said, with I was banging my head against the wall with publishing. Yeah. I thought, I need, a, I need to put together a CV, and I haven't got a body of work. So I started writing these short stories, one of which was Burn the Dead. Um, originally, it was called Burn an Ambition, because... The twi- in the in the short story version, it was a twist that he was burning dead zombies. Initially, you thought think he's just a, works in the crematorium, and then you realise these these things are still alive. So calling it "Burn the Dead" was a little bit of a, a giveaway. So I changed it to that, um, and then I just wrote a few zombie stories, a few ghost stories, and they they, they got published um, six different ones, six six different places. Um, that sort of gave me the kick of the butt really to keep on going because. It was a quick way to get a bit of recognition to know that I'm on the right track. Because, um, like I said before, I don't know whether you felt the same as a writer, that you sometimes you feel like you're a fraud and you're like, oh, maybe. I, think I, I saw an interview on, online with um, is it R. Martin, the. the George, was, R. George R. Martin. Martin. Yeah. He was talking to Stephen King and he said sometimes he writes, he stares at the screen and he thinks. I should be a plumber, not a writer. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it was so refreshed. I could, I could even be a plumber. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but to hear that, I thought I felt so yeah. so refreshed. And oh, good. If you think that, mm. that's fine. You know, not everyone can, you know, feel perfect like Stephen King can turn out. 
And you were traditionally published. More recently, are you? Am I right in saying you're more indie published? Yes, I'm, I've got a publisher and I'm indie published. Okay. Um, the main reason I'm I'm both is because I'm relatively prolific. I can put about three three books out a year. It's very difficult on a publisher, a traditional publisher, to be able to to put out three or four books a year just from one author because they have lots and lots of authors. Um, but I got just too many stories to tell, and it's too frustrating. But yes, I'm both. Out of interest, do you do you ever read your customer reviews on Amazon? Well, funny you say that. I I used to read I used to read them a lot more. Yeah. Um, when I first got published, it was quite heartbreaking because you yeah. do get negative ones. Uh, I don't think you can. I don't think anyone's not got negative ones. Some more than others. But it's frustrating, and some of them are quite nasty. So there's a lot of trolls yeah. out there. One question I always like to ask is, what's the most ridiculous customer review that you've ever had? Um, oh well, I got two different ones that can come to mind. Uh, one, one is a negative, one was a positive one. Okay. So they sort of come to they they balance each other out. Um, one was um, for fourteen days. Um, yeah, not not bad. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like oh, okay, I'll, I'll take that. Um, and the other one was for the, oh, for the same book actually, fourteen days. One was um, apart from fantastic, um, apart from fantastic plot, it was let down by a dif- disappointing ending. One star. Oh, God, I was like, it's not okay, one star review. That's, that's uh, more three star, isn't it? Uh, three, yeah. yeah. And you know what? If someone wants to give my book three stars, I'm happy. Um, mm. But. Because I had that other one, yeah, not bad, five stars. I think the, the universe is sort of balanced out. But um, I've I've stopped well on it now. As long yeah. as as long as I've got enough, as long as I'm pleasing my fans. Um, but one of the things I did as therapy when I first write in it, and, it, and I'm guessing you can relate to it when you first get these one star reviews, yeah. it does hurt. And you you told oh, you could have a thick skin, and yes, you do get a thicker skin definitely. But one of my therapies was. I am a massive fan of uh, The Office, Ricky Gervais series. And I know it's brilliant. And most of the world knows it's great and it's been syndicated around the world and everyone loves it, some people don't. I went on Amazon and I I just went to see how many one-star reviews it had. And it had had hundreds, but it also had ten thousands and thousands of five-stars. I thought, if that can have uh, lots and lots of one-stars, then... It doesn't really matter. It's always someone's going to hate on, on what you do. Um, as long as most people like it. I, I do exactly that as well. I, I always look at a big name like Girl on the Train or, or yeah. Iron Edge and something and then look at their one-star reviews and see if people are putting yeah. the same thing. I did it for Harry Potter as well. I know yeah. most people love Harry Potter. How do you not love Harry Potter? <laughs> I, 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 and it's got, it's got loads of one-star yeah. reviews. Uh, I, so it's just one of those things you can't please everyone. And I know it's an old cliche, but it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> I had one the other day, I got three stars for uh, a box set. Someone said they really enjoyed it, but they didn't know it was a box set of three books. And then they bought the, the second one and really annoyed. I mean, the cover says books one to three. The title <laughs> says books one to three. The blurb says books one to three. In it, it is divided with the covers into three sections. Yeah. I don't know how I could have made it any clearer. You've got to make everything uh, very simple, unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, and then your covers is the last thing I want to ask okay. you about. I love your covers. Oh, they, you. they are, uh, I won't say they're better than the book, but I'd say they're close. <laughs> uh, um, that, do you contribute to like, your covers being made? Do you get much for yeah, saying Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, don't, I'm not, I don't design them myself. I, I, I plan them out. 
Uh, I ha- use somebody, um, uh, somebody, um, uh, a cover designer, um, very good artist. Um, but what I find is that it takes about three drafts of the cover mm-hmm. for me to love it. So the first one's like, nah, and I push and push and push, and yeah. then I get the cover I want. Um, and unless you push and push, I don't say I'm a very fussy, uh, fussy person. I'm I get frustrated when it's not perfect, even if the shading's not right, mm-hmm. if the wording's a little bit too small. Uh, my cover designer probably doesn't like me very much. <laughs> um, and I said that from the start when I started working with this, this guy, which is he's a very good artist. I said, look, I am a very fussy person, but I am a very loyal person. Um, and I, I do put out a re- relatively decent amount of books. So just stick with me, you know. <laughs> I, but trust me, I'm, I'm, these books will be, these covers will be the best you've ever done and you can use them as, as advertisement. But I, yes, it's a lot of pushing, but once I know I love it, I love it. I do, but I have, I do ask a lot of feedback. Um, I've learned that. I used to be like, no, well, I feel in my heart. But I've, I do ask a lot of people, what do you think? I send, I send the cover out to friends, um, honest friends. I send it out on, on, you know, on WhatsApp, things like that. Yeah. And I ask for feedback. And I do take it on board. Um, I'm not a pro person. If, if, if I send it out to five people and they all think it's rubbish, then it's rubbish. Yeah. Um, and I, or I certainly needs to be improved, you know. Um, and my wife, again, she's the first person who gets, gets all of my things. Yeah. And she's, the only, she's like Sam McCowell. She's so, <laughs> so brutal. And I'm annoyed. But then when I sit down and I think, you know what, she's right. You need a pair of, an extra pair of eyes. Um, but I, I'm happy with all my covers. Um, and I, I don't, I, yeah, I think of any, any cover I wasn't 100% with, I've changed them now. And I'm yeah. happy with the entire, entire run. Cool. Uh, so, so what's your next book? How about the next book uh, is Blue Skin Book Three. Uh, I have finished it. It's been still being edited at the moment. Uh, still some tweaks to be done. Do you have a release date? Yeah. Um, being because it's a, I'm an indie author with this one particular one, I my my release date changes all the time. <laughs> well, this is this is to. probably going out in November. Will it be out this month? Uh, November? Well, November is my yeah. my idea. Okay. I did tell my readers it'd be out by the summer. So you shouldn't really listen to me, but I, I, went, I definitely went out before Christmas okay. or December because I, uh, I needed to be done this year. Um, it just needed a lot more work than I anticipated. Um, that is go- a good thing because I would never, I'd never put a book out unless I was 100%. So if it's taken a little bit longer, it's worth it. But it's, yeah, Blue Skin 3, hopefully November, hopefully. And where can people find you online if they want to know more about you? Yeah, they can find me um, on my website, um, www.stephen-jenkins.com. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook. Um, I can't remember my... Uh, <laughs> um, Just search Stephen Jenkins. Stephen sure Jenkins, that, yeah. author. Uh, there's a link on your website, I think. There's a link yeah. on my website, yes, lots of icons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find me on Amazon, uh, and Stephen Jenkins. And if you see some creepy looking covers, that's, that's probably me. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much for, for talking to me, Stephen. That's a pleasure, Rick. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So that was my interview with Stephen Jenkins. Absolutely lovely guy. I hope you enjoyed listening to it just as much as I enjoyed talking to him. Um, coming up next month, I have an interview with Sarah England, a paranormal author. 
and I have an interview the following month with Caroline Clark. So I've got two fantastic interviews with two women of horror, mainly focused on paranormal. Caroline Clark based hers on a lot of haunted houses, so I'm really excited to edit those together and let you listen to them. Um, yesterday, this this comes out on Friday the 16th, just to let you know, yesterday was the two-year anniversary of I Have the Sight, which is incredible, really. Two years and, and since I've uh, been a bestseller with it and gone full-time uh, as an author based off it, and it was my second novel, and it's just crazy to think how far I've gone. Um, so... That's that for today. Uh, Make sure you tune in the first Friday of December for my interview with Sarah England. Until then, I hope you have a lovely week or two. Until then, goodbye.